0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to It's Your Season.life, where we are discovering and living life at any age. I'm Lisa Boson, and I'm here to introduce you to people like you and me who have rediscovered themselves, stretched their abilities, and to me, kept their light under a bushel basket. I hear their stories and think, wow, that is so cool. These are ordinary people doing the extraordinary. So what are we doing Well, you know how you'd love to hear your peers succeed, get inspired by those who just try? That's us. That's ItYourSeason.Life. Don't forget to follow us on our website, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm there sharing weekly updates and, of course, what's in season, be it people, food, feelings, and nature. So let's get started. Our guest today is Jana Clark. I have known Jana Clark for a couple years now, and that was through vegan work. But she has an amazing story that you're gonna learn today and also gain some motivation and see how, get some inspiration on how maybe you can change your life as well. Jana Clark changed the trajectory of her life when she was 19 years old. After her brother's fatal drunk driving car accident, she committed to a sober life and has not had a drink or a drug in over 30 years. To enhance her health, she became vegan in 2008. With that, she has recently published a memoir, and this memoir is her first published work. She has a coaching business and is currently accepting speaking engagements to encourage others on their journey towards a healthier life. She also works as a certified sign language interpreter part-time. Jana currently lives here in Fort Collins, Colorado, where she enjoys quality time with her two adult sons, her friends, and being out in nature. She travels as much as possible and visits botanical gardens with each new adventure. Her most recent passion has been to remodel her RV, which was so fun to watch on Facebook, I'm just telling you, <laughs> and where she leaves light on the planet. So welcome, Jana. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm just so excited to jump in and get started. Yeah my pleasure i'm excited to be here yeah so um let's just kind of get started in the beginning just kind of start walking through how you how you came across this path and and how it led you forward
1: yeah so um i had a lot of people that were important in my life pass away close together and the grief was overwhelming um i tell people that it was like standing in the ocean And I just kept getting these huge waves and then I'd have some smaller waves and then huge waves again and it was just really a long process of healing for me and um, during this time I found myself wishing that I had some literature that was written by my parents that I could go back to and revisit and um, remember them through their own words. And as I was doing so, I was introduced to a book that had this same concept in the book. It was fictional, but it was about um, a wife whose husband had left her all of these written um, bits of magic for her. And when I read the book, I decided that I wanted to write down some kind of memoir-type stories for my adult boys so that when someday when i'm no longer on this planet they have something to remember me by and as i was writing and as it evolved i was sharing with a few of my close friends what i was doing and they all said well i want to read it and so as i was getting this feedback from the people that are close to me um Word sort of started spreading and people that I didn't know very well were coming up to me and saying, hey, how's that book going? I'd really like to read your story. And I found that as people were asking me about it, I started to um, become more invested in it as a legitimate memoir. And so I took a class with Hay House and um, it's all about how to write your story. And I just started the editing process and it took off from there. And so um, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm at the, the point in my process where I'm trying to decide whether to publish it with an uh, official publisher or whether to do some self-publishing with it.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like if I'm hearing you correctly, it started kind of as a personal project uh, mm-hmm. for your for your family, and then now it's a professional project. To expand on that, to, without giving away all the all the good juice of the book, what what is the story about? How did you how did you work through that, and what is your story?
1: So, um, as you said in my intro. Um, when I was 19 years old, my brother was in a car accident that led to a fatality. The fatality was his best friend. And the, um, that is really the impetus that brought me into a sober life. And one of the things I decided to do as a part of my own personal growth was to focus on a word or a phrase each year of my sobriety and i had a mentor in my life that was helping me with the spiritual aspect of my growth and so on this journey i each year i had this focus and i grew from each of those topics and when I went back and started writing down all of those topics I started to see how each year I learned something as I was growing and as I was developing and in the end that really brought me to be the person that I am today and it it was a lot of hard work and because of that I have a lot of people in my life that really respect what I've done And those are the people who have said to me, please write your story and we would love to read it.
0: So how many topics do you have now? So I have 30
1: topics. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a pretty massive memoir, it's 70,000 plus pages at this time. And each of the topics are pretty quick to read, but when you look at it as a whole piece of work, it's pretty massive. Um, I actually also go into my childhood in the beginning of the story. It's written very linear, linearly, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if that's the right word, but um, it, I do follow my timeline, which uh-huh. um, some of the editors I've spoken to have said, don't do that. But because it's a topic per year, it really evolved naturally for me to do it that way. So I added a lot about my childhood so people could really understand what that looked like and then went into the word for each year after after that.
0: Well, in our childhood, that's our formative years. So a yeah. lot of what happens in our childhood definitely... Uh, affects, you know, what we do as we come into early adulthood and and so forth. So I've read a little bit. I'm not going to give the tips away, but you know, I'm a big believer that socialization at a young age sometimes does, abs- you know, inf- affect us, and how we move into those, those the the tweens and the and the and the 20s and so forth. So you've got 30 topics and. But it sounds like as you went through sobriety, and I could be wrong, but, you know, for me, I think of sobriety as you go do the 12 steps and you do AA and so forth. But this sounds like something you sort of created on your own. Is that correct? Or just expand on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I did have some, you know, I did have 12-step support. Um, However, the 12 steps are really clear about um, not, pulling them into anything that we would share about our personal lives on a public level. Mm-hmm. So I don't talk about my 12-step experience in my book directly. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are in 12-step programs will recognize the points that I make that are 12-step related, but I formatted the book in a way that was much more personal, and indeed I I did um, develop this topic per year on my own and it has become the roots of um of my program it's the roots of what i do for myself to love and nurture myself every year of my life and to continue to grow and to continue to find my best
0: life and my best self in that life So as I look at the timeline, um, it looks like you had about 15 years of sobriety and then about 15 years ago, you added in the vegan aspect. So you've had two, what I think is significant changes. Tell us a little bit about what the inspiration was for, um, adding, adding the vegan aspect in.
1: Yes, so that's correct. Um, uh, the book, The Sober Vegan is based on both of those transitions, and I, w- I became sober when I was 19 years old in 1991 and um, became vegan in 2008 and um, becoming sober was definitely a, a huge uh, change transition in my life um, and becoming vegan really had to was definitely uh, connected to my sober life and what I found is as I became as I worked on my sober topics and became more who I am in my natural state, I started to recognize my compassion for animals, my love of the earth and wanting to save the earth that we live on and make it more healthy and the need to be more healthy in this body that carries my spirit. And so it was a natural evolution for me to become vegan. Uh, along the way, I had these people that came into my life that were very instrumental. Um, there was a couple that came into my life, and they were raw foodists, so they only ate raw food, and they were vegan. Not all raw foodists are vegan, but they were both. And they showed me this way of living that I had never thought about at the level that they were able to show me through their own lives. They never once tried to convince me to be a vegan, but they just showed me how they lived and it was so fascinating and so interesting to me and as I lived with those ideas that they presented and the evidence that I saw in them and their natural glow. I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it and I had an opportunity to interpret for a woman who is a PhD in nutrition and she was working for a college and I was interpreting for her so I had all this access to this nutritional based information and I kept hearing about the China study which is this great book Um, and I decided to listen to the book on audio Um, It was a massive book, and so I got the abridged version first Mm -hmm. and then later got the unabridged version. And he really talks a lot about the plant-based living and the health qualities of being plant-based. And from that book, I made the decision to go completely vegan, and everything at that moment became very congruent for me.
0: Mm -hmm. And I love when we've had our private, prior conversations I love this word congruent that you use and it's such a mathematical term as well but I I, how can we take a moment and just what does congruent mean to you because I love it you don't hear it that often and so why do you bring that language into your practices
1: so congruent for me is really when I'm thinking, feeling, and acting in the same direction, in the direction that they match each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about the, the green planet and the health of the planet. I'm acting in a way that's eating that matches the protection of that planet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm feeling that what I'm doing is is um, loving and nurturing and supportive of the planet so for me congruency is really about when all of my life is matching what I value
0: and when when I think of veganism and plant-based there's like this spectrum there's the you know kind of and and there's kind of variations on a theme on the spectrum of it's for the environment it's for my health I do raw I'm, I'm no fat no sugar no salt I and then some somewhere in between. So where would you say you kind of fit on this on the plant based vegans? For lack of a better word, I call it spectrum because there's there's different ways and different uh, approaches. Mm -hmm.
1: I agree with you. And I go into this quite a bit in my book. Um, I so I vacillate. I'm not in one spot and I think that's why it is a spectrum because I think many of us do sort of wander around where we're at at any given Mm -hmm. time um, I Because I came in being more raw food, mm-hmm. I have a tendency to eat that way more than any of the other types of, of plant-based eating. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about the Ayurvedic uh, style, although that is something I will explore more in the future,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: macrobiotic, which is uh, sort of the idea or the philosophy that everything is cooked and because it's cooked when you eat it, you have easier access to the nutrition. Kind of the other end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. from the raw foodists who don't cook anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I tend to be more on the part of the spectrum that's raw and I eat a lot of salads with a lot of ingredients in them. Mm -hmm. Um, I try and limit my oils because I do believe that oils Um, I, it's easy for me to eat foods with too much oil in it. Mm -hmm, So I do mm -hmm. try and limit my oils. Mm -hmm. Um, and I try to not eat sugar, but I have to tell you that is a battle that I have never won. (laughs) Um, that's, I do love sugar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, but I try and keep them natural and, Um, One of the things I talk about in my book is that a couple of times a year, usually from fall to winter and winter to spring, I do sort of an evaluation of where I'm at and how I'm eating, and I try and adjust that and make it a little more healthy. Um, As far as uh, vegan clothing and, and shoes and that kind of thing, I still have some like I have some leather Birkenstocks that I've owned forever and I still wear them even though they are made from leather but I as I replace those I get vegan Birkenstocks <laughs> <laughs>
0: there is a, there is a waste piece of this as well. So (laughs) a piece and a waste piece and reusable and so forth to it. So a question I have about it and just maybe not to wrap up vegan, but to add, to to add a little bit more, did you, so, so I get this question, how do you do it? You know, my husband and I, my husband did it overnight and that's because of his health problems, and it took me a while while I kind of cried and stamped and said I was never going to do it, but here I am. Uh, so where were you on the, you know, how did you transition? Did you just overnight it, or did you uh, weed your way through the, the bushes on, on eating more plants and less meat, or how did you, what was your process?
1: So in um, 2000, 1999 to 2000, I was really struggling with gluten.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was trying to remove gluten from my life, and I, it was really, really hard. I kept going back to it. I kept trying to do just a little, and it just kept making me sick, and, and it was a really, really difficult thing. So for me, that was the hardest food piece mm-hmm. that I had to, to face. And then in 2008... Um, I had been red meat free for about four years prior mm-hmm. to that. And in giving up red meat, interestingly enough for me, I, I felt the desire for other meat mm-hmm. leave with the giving up of red meat. Mm-hmm. So that piece of it wasn't difficult for me. And so in 2008, um, it was January 3rd, I decided to be vegan. I had finished the China study. Mm-hmm. and um, The thing that was difficult and still comes into play for me occasionally was um, dairy. Mm -hmm. I Um, hear that a lot,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, eggs and milk. And so many of our products are made with eggs and milk. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that um, I sometimes still have cheats. Mm-hmm. Um, if I go to a restaurant and they have a really good eggs benedict, mm-hmm. I sub something for the eggs and mm-hmm. do all the in the garden on gluten-free bread. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times the bread will have milk in it. And mm-hmm. they'll say, like, the bread's gluten-free but not vegan. Mm-hmm. And I'll still go ahead and order that. hmm mm-hmm. Um, but again, it is a spectrum. I love that you use that word cause I totally agree with you and it mm-hmm. is a spectrum. And so I make the decisions based on what's best for my
0: health at that time. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's true. I know here in Fort Collins, it's, um, a little different, difficult to go out and eat and find something that is, um, absolutely dairy free, absolutely no eggs, just, you know, true vegan, but also, have protein in it. That's that's the other piece of it. It's just it's challenging. Go to Boulder. There's uh, quite a few more places to eat out, but the um, the food products are getting better, and I think it's just it's getting out there more. But for now, depending on maybe where you're at, I know here in Fort Collins it's a little difficult, and you just have to make the best choice you can um, based on on your. Spectrum, and, and certainly there's others that just choose just not to eat out, or just you know just be very very strict, and that's fine, that's their choice, and they're able to do that. But I, I you know, quite a, quite um, a few of us, you know, still get approached with how do how do we work through the system and and honor our values and, do, and make the best choice that we can. I want to take a step back and go to the spiritual practices because I think that also aligns with the name of the book, Soulshine. And so if if you would just walk us through what was happening during or the discovery phase of this spiritual piece, because that's a huge piece of aligning and being congruent with the universe and how you live and your connection. But but how did you what was what was your journey on that?
1: Um, great question. So um the book The Sober Vegan and then my sort of my catchphrase is Sunshine to soulshine, becoming healthy one year at a time. Um, so, the sunshine to soulshine piece, I'm going to kind of back up to that. When I was uh, a young girl, my father nicknamed me Sunshine. So that's my childhood nickname. And as I've grown and developed, I heard this song by the Allman Brothers and the name of it is Soul Shine, And I really loved and connected to this song. And so I've um, incorporated it in my life in a lot of different ways. So that's where the Soul Shine piece of it comes from. Um, and definitely that is all a, a part of my spiritual beliefs and the, the spiritual growth that I've had in the last 30 years. Um, Originally, when I uh, became sober at 19, my mentor asked me to find a higher power, and um, it wasn't that I didn't believe in some kind of a higher power in my life. I definitely did, but she was asking me to find something that would really guide me through my life, and that seemed very big and very daunting to me. and. Um, it was a snowy day here in Fort Collins and she and I were driving in her car down the main road, which is college. We were headed um, north. And to the right of us, there was this tree and it was covered in frost and snow. And it was the most perfect, gorgeous tree I think I'd ever seen in my life. And in that moment, I knew that that tree could be a guiding image Mm -hmm. of what my higher power was going to be for me. Mm -hmm. And so that tree has continued to be the symbol in my life of what my spirituality represents. And in the book, I really go into the magic, of what that tree has become for me and how when I mentor other women, I talk about the tree and I talk about, you know, what the roots symbolize and what the trunk is and that, that core of the trunk. And then I talk about the branches and how the branches, you know, reach out for that sunlight and that sunshine Mm -hmm. and how that ultimately is what brings our souls to shine.
0: And I think, is that on the cover of your book? Isn't if am I if I'm remembering that correctly, one of the models or one of the mock ups you had? Is the is a tree? Is that no? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So if I
1: do self publish, um, I have a cover that I've already had designed. Mm-hmm. And on the cover is um, the main thing that you see is indeed a, a beautiful Colorado tree. It is a Colorado tree. <laughs> because we do have um, trees
0: here. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Maybe not exactly yeah. where we are, but definitely. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So I did use a, a specific tree that I love here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And And, yeah, so that's the main thing on the cover. And then I talk in my book, I talk about the people who have passed. And so I used butterflies on the cover to symbol them, Mm
0: -hmm. symbolize
1: them. And then I also um, talk about several different types of uh, fox stories throughout my life where they keep coming into my life. And um, so there is a fox also there on the cover.
0: So tragedy is... is and can be a pivotal point for change in our lives. And, and, and certainly I feel like that's what happened in your case at, at 19, at early age. I mean, in some ways maybe be thankful it was early, um, but sad sad for what happened. Uh, absolutely. But so we. this is a 30-year journey. You know, some people think, oh, people out there and it's just a straight journey and, and they never have any crooks or turns. What, What were maybe some moments that it wasn't as straight as as you thought it might be you really had to you know muster up your superpower to get through it
1: yeah that's so true um my journey definitely has not been a straight line um there have been a lot of ups and downs and a lot of other things that have happened too but I find that in my life when tragedy strikes um I I utilize whatever that tragedy is to become the platform or the pivoting moment that brings me forward into, again, into that best self, into my highest self again. And I I believe that as we find a higher power and walk this journey together with our higher power,
0: that that really is the key to how tragedy becomes the gift. I'm also hearing just this continuous learning, just this ongoing journey to tragedy, we learn from it. we hear this, we're connected with someone, we take that learning with us an example of you being um, a sign language interpreter, interpreter. <laughs> interpreter there we go, and for the PhD, learning about nutrition from them. So this continuous learning, thinking about where you are now, what are some of the things that you're kind of researching or adding to your, to your learning bucket right now? Great question. Um, So
1: I continue to learn about myself. That seems to be the sort of theme of the last five years, and I believe it will be the theme of the ongoing five years. Um, I had a a pretty, pretty significant relationship with a woman who was very much like me, Mm -hmm. and in her expressing. Um, the struggles that she was going through in her own life, I was able to really identify that I wasn't attached to myself in a healthy way and that I didn't love myself in the way that I needed to. And that became the beginning of this self exploration and journey um, which is partly why i chose to write a memoir it was a phenomenal way for me to really get to know myself in a new and different way and to heal some of the wounds from my childhood and i just continue to um, dive into what don't i know about myself and what can i learn about myself in the oncoming years Um, i just left the year of meditation, which is the last year in my memoir. Mm-hmm. And um, this year, my uh, phrase is open hearted. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning what it's like to be in the world, se- attached securely to myself, and open hearted to what's coming in,
0: kind of working off of that, and of coming in, and then really developing yourself, and you use the word best self. How, what are you, what, what is your description of best self? What does that mean? And what do you want audiences to understand about maybe being your best self? We hear that a lot, but what does that mean for you? For me, best
1: self means I am living in congruency with my values my core value um thanks to Brené Brown mm-hmm. i know that my core value is connection and so living my life through
0: connection
1: is living my best self and that's what that is for me
0: yeah connection i think we all have i was reading a a magazine this morning and they were doing interviews and saying what what are your what is your superpower and um, and I think of your superpower also is connection, but what what do you think your superpower is? What do you think? Th- kind of set you apart or, or something maybe, I don't to use a word special, but we'll use superpower that really helped you help, helped you get through the last 30 years and then moves you forward as well. I think this, this concept
1: of each year I focus on something is mm-hmm. really, truly my, my superpower. Mm-hmm. And because I'm an Aries, which mm-hmm. is the warrior, mm-hmm. um, I'm a fighter. I'm mm-hmm. naturally a fighter. And mm-hmm. what I've learned about myself is that being a fighter doesn't have to be a negative thing.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: it's very much a positive thing for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And and thinking about that, kind of, you could go back and ask your eighteen year old self, or tell them something. What would you tell your eighteen year old self right before that year of nineteen? What would you tell 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 her? yeah (laughs) yeah so Um, which pronoun to use on that one
1: (laughs) yeah I would definitely go back and I would tell her um first first of all I would say I love you and Mm -hmm. you are perfect and you're on the right path always Mm -hmm. um and then I would just let her know um that You know, she is about to experience a trauma Mm -hmm. that is going to turn into her greatest asset. Mm-hmm. And I would really encourage her to continue to strive to know herself. Mm-hmm. I think in knowing ourselves, mm-hmm. we build res- resiliency. And I think resiliency is a
0: really great way to explore this world and live in this world. So I heard the word project earlier, or program, actually, I think is what you... Are you considering uh, a SoulShine Soul Shine, um, program, um, or, or a series... Um, what what are you thinking about that for Soul Shine and the word program that I heard because I see it right away <laughs> what it mm-hmm. could be what 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 are your plans what are you thinking
1: yeah so um one of the one of my goals for um, the sober vegan is to get feedback from an audience so that I can see what direction um, they would want me to go in. Mm -hmm. But I have in the back of my head this idea about having a program. And um, in that program, I would like to do some cards. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to do 365 cards Mm -hmm. with just a question one mm-hmm. of the things I talk about in my book is the importance of asking myself questions over the years
0: mm-hmm. and how that
1: has been part of my healing process. Mm-hmm. So I'd like the card to have a question on it and then a little bit about whatever that question is is driving towards mm-hmm. so people can find their own answers and their own healing on this journey.
0: Mm-hmm. And then I think I would also like to write a workbook. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely picture that from just from our conversations that we've had in the past and how useful that might be for people to, to work through, you know, self discovery and, and questions and, and getting them to the next place on their own choice and, and what they say. I love the idea about the questions. What is what is an example of maybe one of the best questions you ask yourself in the past? I have to put you on the spot there, but I love self-inquiry. <laughs>
1: yes, me too. I think it's so important for growth. I think mm-hmm. questions are just key. Um, and when I mentor women, I use a lot of questions in my mentoring because I really do think it's how we come up with our own best answers. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, I'll give you the example of uh, having my children. When I had my oldest son, I have two boys. When I had my oldest son, Jordan, Um, It was, I had him in a hospital, and it was not a pleasant experience. Um, There was trauma because he had his cord wrapped around his neck. Oh, my. And and the staff that I was surrounded with were not um, people that I was familiar with or comfortable with or that even really expressed a tremendous amount of caring for me. And so it was a very, very difficult situation for me. And I decided that afterwards, um, I knew we would want to have a second child. And so I used this idea of questions to really ask myself what I needed to do to change that experience so that my second child would be a different type of birth experience. Mm -hmm. And I continued to, to just ask myself those questions and at that time i wasn't doing a lot of meditating but now in my life Mm -hmm. i use meditation to hear those answers so Mm -hmm. before i meditate i think about something in my life that i that where maybe i missed a connection as i did with my first son's birth or where something just isn't the way that i want it to be it's not my best life and i'll ask myself questions about it so with with jordan's birth I'd say, okay, um, you know, what part of this birth experience can I change? And I, my answer was, what if I didn't have my second child in a hospital? And what if I was surrounded by the people who love me? And so I started looking for people in my life that love me, that could be there during that second experience for me. Mm-hmm. And I had a physician's assistant that I was close with. Mm -hmm. and I asked her if she would support me having a child at home, and she said she would. I had a friend that was a nurse, and I asked her if she would support me, and she said she would. Mm -hmm. I found um, a midwife who had experience with water birth, and I had read some literature about the transition for mm-hmm. babies
0: mm-hmm. going
1: from water to water, so I set up a water birth at my home, mm-hmm. and that's how I had my second son. Ah. And the experience was completely different, and, and I was able to be my best self in that environment. Mm-hmm.
0: So you know as i as you work through your questions and you process through so two things i want to I want jump on, and we might have to do them separate well have to do them separately, but I want to get get them out there. I also wrote them down so i don't forget is this whole idea the questions also give you a a level of uh, personal responsibility and accountability and how you want the next uh what you want next and how to kind of process through that um so i I love that idea of you didn't just let it go, you walked through through these series of, of inquiry that really creates, I think some level of personal, not accountability, but responsibility of, of how you want the next one to be. So, um, I think that's fascinating. And then the second is meditating. And for those in the audience, and, and I want to talk about meditation because there's, a, I don't know where I saw this quote, but I've carried it with me for 30 years or so. An open mind lets the kind of good life in. So creating this void, and of emptiness so that you can really parse through the things to come back into your head. So tell me a little bit about your, if you don't mind a little bit about your meditation and what you've learned this year, now that you've gone through almost nine months of, of, uh, focusing on that.
1: Yeah. So, um, meditation is, is listening. So in the beginning, when it was, when I was keeping things very, very simple, Prayer was my commun- communication to my higher pra- pot power. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that word again. <laughs> Prayer. <laughs> Prayer is communicating to my higher power. Mm-hmm. Meditation is exactly what you just said. It's opening up space to be able to hear the answers of, to the questions I've asked of the universe. So I'm opening myself up to what are the answers that I need to to go into my best life with my best self forward Um, and I've learned so much about meditation in in this year Um, I've learned that there are times where my mind is just so busy and so active I really need a way that I can bring it down to a place where I can meditate so for me, when I'm having those moments where I start a meditation and it just isn't going well, I have this series of musicians that I'll put on and I'll play. Like I'll start with something really heavy and fast and intense like a Motley Crue song. <laughs> and I'll work my way down to something very soft and quiet and, and um, relaxing like Enya. Mm-hmm. And I'll and I have these musicians that I listen to, and that's what helps my mind get into a place where I can be more relaxed and able to meditate. The other thing that I do when I begin each of my meditations is I do a chant. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple that I use, but my favorite is Nam um, Yo Ho Renge Kyo, which is Sanskrit. That's just saying. Um, I'm asking the universe to align with my best self, that's Mm -hmm. basically what it means. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I do these things that help me to get into that meditative state. And when I'm not able to meditate in the morning, Mm -hmm. I know it's because I have a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and I'll go for a walk and come back home and then I can meditate as Mm -hmm. well.
0: There, there's another analogy of you know we we get we are processing information all the time and we're putting it into all these little file cabinets in our head and then the file cabinets get cluttered and it's for me when I do it it's like oh I can kind of kind of push them back a little bit create space and then then it reorganizes itself somehow it's not even an intentional organization it's just you know I can pull out from the file cabinet what I need and it and it kind of organizes itself i don't know it's kind of weird but that's <laughs> that's what happens and you know when i try to do it and i find it very effective so i find it fascinating and like to learn how other people you know develop their own practices because it is some individualism to to how you can can make meditation work for you and and pause and kind of empty your brain not in a bad way just creating space so we have a little bit of time left. Tell me, um... what would you want people to know about just kind of getting started on us? These are two significant changes, so, and there's lots of changes we can make in our world, whether it's, um, you know, lose weight or whether. But I think, you know, becoming sober and, um, and becoming vegan are two really kind of heavy practices. What would you say to people to get started?
1: Great question. Um, when I start working with women I, that I mentor, I encourage them to find people that are that have similar goals mm-hmm. so that they can find someone, a travel buddy, if you will. Mm-hmm. Someone that they take this journey with. I think that there's this condition in us as humans mm-hmm. to not be alone. And I think if we've learned anything from the pandemic, it's that isolation is not good for us mentally. Mm-hmm. We are seeing a huge spike in mental wellness issues. Um, we've seen a surge in suicides. I've seen a surge personal, personally in people that were sober, that are not sober anymore and are struggling mm-hmm. to be sober again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that when we try and do things alone, mm-hmm. there's just not as much energy in it.
0: Mm-hmm. And if
1: we have someone else that's on this journey with us, there's a combined energy that, that creates a movement forward for mm-hmm. ourselves and for that other person. So the first thing I tell people is to find your group of people that believe that as you do and that you can connect with and be on this journey together with.
0: There is new evidence that um, healthy diet links to, a, and a plant-based diet or a plant forward, plant slant, eat, eat more plants, eat less meat, impacts mental health as well. We were listening to a podcast, um, actually a YouTube, Gil Carvalho, and he was interviewing um, a PhD in, I think, Australia or New Zealand, and all she studies is mental health and, and food it's fascinating um so i just wanted to kind of plant that seed on on also the importance of and maybe you find that i don't know as far as eating eating better eating more whole foods plants and it affecting your uh, people's uh, mental health status whether it's depression or she's done a lot of different work with different um Um, mental health conditions. It's really fascinating, and these are not anecdotal studies. She's doing double-blind, gold-standard studies. But um, anyway, I just didn't know if you had any thoughts on that or personal experience, or we can just delete this out of the podcast. (laughs) No,
1: actually, it's right on target. There's a whole part in my book where I talk about when I first became vegan, Mm -hmm. how my the alignment that I had with my feelings had a big shift, my mental wellness had a shift when I stopped eating any any products from an animal. Um, And part of it for me is my love of animals and the congruency that I experienced with knowing that I love animals and not ingesting them. Mm -hmm. But I also experienced a very real, for me, shift in my mental wellness Mm -hmm. and the ability to be true to my feelings and Mm -hmm. to feel what I was feeling Mm -hmm. more truly. Mm -hmm. And um, I absolutely, I'm thrilled to hear there's someone doing some very real research on this Mm -hmm. because I've been experiencing this since I went plant-based. And for me, there's, there's no question eating a plant-based diet has helped me to have better mental wellness. There's no doubt.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, um, there's the psychological, oh, it's, here we go. I appreciate everyone listening to the clicking in the background, um, uh, food and mood <laughs> center.com.au. So she's in Australia. Um okay. so um I'll put that in the show notes but it was I, f- I found it fascinating on um you know, the whole congruency thing, but feeding your brain, you know, helps with your microbiome. And um, I'm, I'm going to just beg forgiveness on not being able to articulate it better. But it's a good resource to go out and look at the research they're doing on eating better and mood disorders, I guess we'll, we'll call it that. So to wrap us up, I do have a final question begging forgiveness that I don't know everything. That's kind of why I like to do podcasts because I learn so much from my guests. So what are some final thoughts you would like to share with our audience that you want to be sure they know and understand or a, a, a takeaway from today? Um, I, w- I
1: think that for me, I just would like the world to receive the message that being sober and being um, vegan or plant-based is by no means a radical way of living, but it is a way to be fearless, and it's a way to learn who I am as a person, and then accept, embrace, and celebrate who that person is.
0: Oh, I love that. It's not radical. It's really living better. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how can we find you? How, how do you want people to connect with you? What are all the ways we can find Jana Clark?
1: So I am on both Instagram and on Facebook um, under my name, Jana Clark. I'm just uh, now getting a website set up for the Sober Vegan Mm -hmm. Um, and that hopefully will be set up within the next month. I'd love to say two weeks, but technology is challenging for me. So, um, I would say in the next month, you'll be able to find me, um, on, uh, Facebook and Instagram under the Sober Vegan.
0: Okay. Excellent. And so if they want a quick message or follow you, that's where they can find you and, and connect up and, and learn when the publishing date is, the print date is for your book. What else? Any final thoughts?
1: No, I just really want to thank you so much, Lisa, for taking the time to talk with me today. And um, as always, I just enjoy our connection
0: with each other. Oh, I do too. I just so appreciate you taking this time and, and helping others get inspired with your story. I think, I think that's what I hope to portray with these podcasts is people living more than their one life you can leave and you can live a better life. And you know, my tagline is celebrate life at any age so we can continue on, but I just so appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing the book published and everyone can um, hear the, the inspiration, the motivation, the tips to help them lead a, a soul shined life. How about that? sounds good I like it (laughs) so that's a wrap for today we've so enjoyed you being with us I hope you learned something new got some inspiration and you are ready to move forward with your own new season remember we are living life at any age take some time to visit the other social media sites give us some feedback shoot me an email on Facebook and remember until then stay safe and keep on living cheers